Welcome to Covenant Conversations, episode number 11. Unrestricted subsidiaries and the J.Crew trapdoor have hit the headlines more than once since 2016, and most recently in connection with UK luxury automaker McLaren. A number of US groups in the past, most notably iHeart Communications, J.Crew, Claire's, Neiman Marcus and PetSmart, have used flexibility in their debt documents to move valuable assets beyond the reach of their creditors. J.Crew and Neiman Marcus are now in bankruptcy proceedings. In this podcast, Peter Washkowitz and I, Shweta Rao, will demystify the J.Crew trapdoor and shed light on what flexibility documents have for borrowers to pull a J.Crew, even without the benefit of a specific J.Crew trapdoor in their documents. Hey, Peter, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good. So let's start at the beginning of the J.Crew story. Tell us what happened in J.Crew. Uh, well, uh, broadly speaking, uh, J. Crew, uh, you know, had a had a bunch of debt outstanding, and its parent uh, its parent company also had debt outstanding. Um, J. Crew's uh, debt documents restricted it from making um, prepayments or you know funding purchases of the parent debt. So what it did was it uh, it ended up transferring assets to an unrestricted subsidiary that raised debt secured by those assets. And because the unrestricted subsidiary was not restricted by J. Crew's debt documents, the unrestricted subsidiary ended up funding prepayments of the parents' debt that J. Crew was otherwise not allowed to do itself. Right. And there was a very specific carve out in the investments covenant in the J. Crew credit agreement, which actually enabled it to make this maneuver of transferring assets out of the hands of its creditors into an unrestricted subsidiary and raising structurally senior debt there, right? Yeah. Um, so this is kind of uh, what's become known as a, as a J. Crew trap door. Um, you know, J. Crew's credit agreement had a, had a number of investment baskets, but it didn't really, uh, none of them really provided the company with a significant amount of flexibility to transfer assets to unrestricted subsidiaries. However, there was a basket that um, allowed the company's non-guarantor restricted subsidiaries to make investments as long as those investments were funded with proceeds of investments made in those non-guarantor restricted subsidiaries. Um, and it's that provision that's become known as like a J. Crew uh, uh, proceeds basket because it effectively um, uh, takes a basket that allows for investments in non-guarantor restricted subs and makes it into a, essentially a general purpose basket whereby J. Crew could transfer assets to a non-guarantor and then using the proceeds basket, the non-guarantor can then transfer those assets to an unrestricted subsidiary. So it's basically a two-step transaction. So summarizing, the J. Crew trapdoor involves a two-step transaction and involves a very specific loophole, which allows this two-step transaction being assets transferred from obligors to uh, non-guarantors and then from non-guarantors to outside the credit box. Exactly, yep. And after this happened with J. Crew, there was a big uh, hue and cry and uh, lenders and bondholders made sure to a large extent that this specific loophole or the trapdoor was not in their documents. Now, I think there are still a handful of credit agreements and bonds that have the specific loophole. However, the absence of the loophole does not mean that lenders are not are protected from an issuer 
still being able to make this maneuver of transferring assets out of the credit group into an unrestricted subsidiary. So I would say that the absence of the J. Crew trapdoor or this specific loophole is actually a red herring. Yeah, I mean, so it, this is it's kind of become a little confusing. Uh, people associate uh, if, if your debt document does not have the J. Crew trapdoor, uh, then there are no then the company cannot transfer assets to an unrestricted subsidiary. But uh, that is it, it's not the case because, um, you know, all debt documents, bonds, credit agreements, um, what have you, they all also provide the companies with a, a, a number of baskets for, you know, general purpose investment capacity, whether it's a, a leverage based basket, a builder basket or even a general investment basket. And absent any explicit restriction on the use of that basket, uh, companies can simply just use those uh, capacity under those baskets for transfers to unrestricted subs. So uh, I, I completely agree with you. It definitely is a red herring. Uh, you know, if you're not so familiar with the way these baskets work, you know, if you don't see a, a, a J. Crew trap door basket, you may assume, okay, I'm, I'm protected. But yeah, that's definitely not the case. Uh, given the, the number of additional baskets these companies uh, typically have. Correct. And, you know, over the past few years, it's well known that the covenant capacity has increased and covenant protection has decreased. And one of the areas for significant loosening in this regard is with respect to how much capacity there is to make investments into an unrestricted subsidiary. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, you know, recently, uh, you know, you've seen uh, Travelport, you know, they, they transferred about $1.1 billion of IP to an unrestricted sub. Uh, you had Cirque du Soleil, uh, you know, transfer some assets to an unrestricted sub. And uh, just last week, Party City uh, has proposed to transfer assets to an unrestricted subsidiary, uh, you know, to raise debt there to exchange for its unsecured notes. Um, now, if you take uh, Cirque du Soleil and Travelport specifically, those credit agreements are, are, are very aggressive. Um, you know, first of all, they're drafted like high yield bonds. Um, and so what that does is it allows uh, the companies to use their general purpose restricted payment basket for additional investments. Uh, you know, and typically in credit agreements, you have separate investment and restricted payment covenants and baskets uh, under those covenants can only be used for those purposes. But in bonds, restricted payments and investments are kind of aggregated. So you general purpose baskets can kind of be used for investments or restricted payments. Um, and so in Travelport and Cirque du Soleil's case, they had credit agreements drafted like bonds, which just gave them, uh, you know, even more flexibility and more capacity for unrestricted subsidiary transfers. I think Travelport, um, you know, just adding up the, the general purpose baskets it had um, and this doesn't even include any leverage-based uh, capacity. It had about $1.2 billion of capacity to transfer assets to unrestricted subsidiaries. Right. So it's imperative to do a full analysis of the covenants to make an aggregate of the amount of capacity from the many baskets that could go into an unrestricted subsidiary. Um, recently, we have had that discussion in Europe uh, with respect to McLaren, which is and luxury automobile manufacturer. We haven't really seen a J. Crew maneuver being pulled in Europe as yet. It's been much more prevalent in the US. But we've had that discussion with respect to McLaren. We analyzed how much 
permitted investments capacity it had to take assets out of the McLaren Bond Group. Uh, specifically, in this case, they're talking about heritage cars and their headquarters and put them into an unrestricted subsidiary. And it was very interesting because the potential basket that they could use, uh, the largest one, was the capacity that would have been built up from the equity contributions that their shareholders made into the credit group over the years. So there are a variety of baskets, is the bottom line, that one needs to investigate to see where one can get capacity from to make this asset transfer to uh, an unrestricted subsidiary. Let's also talk about the consequences. I mean, obviously, you're transferring assets out of the restricted group. But one consequence of that that sometimes goes underappreciated is that even if those assets are secured to your bondholders or to your lenders, once they're transferred out to an unrestricted subsidiary and the transfer is in compliance with the rest of the covenants, then security on that gets automatically released. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think the, the kind of prime example there uh, was in PetSmart. Um, and in PetSmart's case, they transferred uh, equity of uh, their Chewy subsidiary, which was kind of their crown jewel. Uh, they transferred equity both to an unrestricted subsidiary um, and to the and to the sponsors. Now, uh, this is kind of not, you know, solely because of the unrestricted subsidiary transfer, but because of the uh, transfer to the sponsors, uh, Chewy became a non uh, non wholly owned subsidiary. So it stopped guaranteeing. Uh, you know, its guarantee was released, but because of the transfers to the unrestricted subsidiary, um, Chewy's assets ceased being, uh, you know, a part of the collateral package because now part of Chewy's equity was owned by a non-guarantor, which was the unrestricted sub. And um, assets owned by unrestricted subsidiaries um, cannot be used uh, for collateral support for uh, the, the borrowing company. That's very interesting. That's also worth looking out for to see if not only the assets, security over the assets gets is lost, but also whether the entity that owns those assets is continues to be a guarantor, but whether its guarantee also gets released. Yeah, no, I, I mean it's it's definitely very important to uh, to look at. I mean, PetSmart involved kind of a, the, the the two different transactions, which both kind of ended up uh, resulting in very adverse consequences, but. I, I, you know, just a simple transfer to unrestricted subsidiaries is definitely going to lead to a loss of collateral, but it's not a given that it will lead to a loss of a guarantee. Um, but, but right. But I, I mean, I think the, the loss of a collateral is probably more material than a loss of a guarantee. Correct. So let's talk about what documentary protections we have seen that might protect from this J. Crew maneuver being pulled uh, to the detriment of the lenders. Uh, yeah, well, so, you know, it, it's funny. I, I did a, uh, a Covenants 101 webinar a few months ago, and I said, you know, it's, it would be very easy to restrict unrestricted subsidiary transfers. You know, just have at the end of the investment covenant, you know, you cannot transfer collateral. It, a pretty simple fix. Um, hadn't seen anything kind of remotely like that. However, in the last month, we've seen new issuances from uh, Royal Caribbean, Viking Cruises, and Gap. Um, and, you know, given the, all the, you know, the worry over the coronavirus, um, kind of collateral and asset value ha has become top of mind in the primary market. And so all three of those issuances uh, made very clear that um, that collateral assets um, and then in Gap's case, uh, also IP 
uh, could not be transferred to a non-guarantor entity. So, uh, you know, you can't ask for a better and more protective provision uh, that just ensures that no collateral will ever leave um, the, the guarantee and the issuer box. So you as a holder fully, you know, will fully have control over that collateral. And the sectors that these companies are apparel like J. Crew and cruise lines. Yeah. And, and, you know, so the cruise lines actually, uh, and I didn't know this uh, a month ago, but the cruise lines do have a lot of valuable IP. And, uh, you know, I think it's the IP that really is, has been at the heart of a number of these transfers, the J. Crew, Travelport, um, Cirque du Soleil. And I, I, I mean, I think the reason is it's a lot easier to transfer just a, a percentage or, you know, a portion of the IP to an unrestricted sub and then, you know, you, you then enter into a license agreement with the unrestricted sub, um, you know, and so you pay the unrestricted sub for to license the IP that was once yours, which gives the unrestricted subsidiary the funds to to uh, to service the debt that it's incurred uh, based on the transferred IP. So it, it's a it's a nice kind of little circular, circular, you know, world that, you know, ends up happening. But, yeah, I would definitely look out for companies that are heavy in IP as prime candidates. Uh, who may look to move, uh, who may look to consummate an unrestricted, unrestricted subsidiary. Trend. And for bondholders and lenders entering into agreements now, it's worth bringing up this specific protection to ensure that that IP or indeed any other valuable asset that forms part of the collateral is specifically um, not permitted to be transferred to an unrestricted subsidiary. Yeah, for sure. Great. Well, I think that rounds up a little primer on the J.Crew trapdoor and value leakage to unrestricted subsidiaries. Uh, we do in Reorg calculate the amount of leakage permitted to an unrestricted subsidiary, both at the primary level in our flex scale and also when the name becomes topical in the secondary market, such as McLaren. So ask us if you have any questions about the investment's capacity or indeed the ability of any company to pull a J crew. Thank you so much, Peter, for your time and you have a good day. Uh, you you well. take, take care. care. Bye. Bye.